0: Hey everybody, Mike Erie here with my friend Tim Stafford. We are the Voxology podcast, and we are delighted that you have tuned in uh, today. We hope if you're jogging, sleeping, doing laundry, uh, how, whatever is going on right now, we hope to provide an appropriate backdrop. That's particularly right. we were just sleeping
1: talking about white noise right before we press record. Yes, yes, and white we are apps.
0: we are white noise. You don't need a separate app. We'll be that glad be,
1: that should have been a new name, not Voxology. Just white noise. Hey, everybody, welcome to White Noise.
0: <laughs> I think that's a great idea. As a matter of fact, um, Timothy and I are, you know, in agreement uh, that we missed some of our favorite movies from last episode. There was, there was some post-episode texting going on. But the question I think today, Tim, is if you had one final meal. Oh, wow. Yep, yep. Um, you're being, let's say you're being persecuted for Jesus, um, and you find yourself, I'm just kidding about that, but let's, let's say you find yourself on death row. You get one final meal. They'll ship in food from anywhere. What do you do? man? What do you, you do know,
1: Tim? I think my favorite food is there's a um, there's a taco truck in LA mm. that's in kind of downtown LA in one of those little like back alley streets and they're they're a dollar each and they are just I love street tacos they're we're, and they're just phenomenal.
0: So we're saving the state money actually. <laughs> yeah, we have a 5. How much yeah, five how, how much how much was was Tim's last meal? five dollars five bucks plus a sierra mist
2: (laughs) (laughs) i'm a simple dude
1: throw
0: some guac on there and boom it's some good stuff okay i like it that really is simple yeah yeah there's a meal not that you're asking and not that anyone cares but was a meal i had at a place in orange county called the rusty pelican and that meal consisted of is that where we were Um, yes, uh, but I did not get the meal then when Uh we were together. This meal consisted of, um, it was on the weekend, consisted of like garlic buttered bread, like, or, or buttered garlic bread. (laughs) Maybe is the better way to say that. (laughs) Garlic buttered bread. Yeah. (laughs) Bread, garlic, and butter. Um, uh, prime rib, which oof, garlic mashed potatoes.
1: Yeah. That's a good meal.
0: Oof. I mean, if I'm going to meet the Lord Jesus, why not go on a full stomach? Yeah. You know? I, yeah. I've got protein. I've got starches. got some carbs. I'm ready. <laughs> no I'm veggies. ready for anything the afterlife throws at me. Um, so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very boring. I mean, I'm a Midwest guy, so shocking meat and potatoes. You're a, a left coast guy, so shocking street tacos from some vendor. I feel probably, bad
1: for those states out there and there's many of them that don't have like authentic it's facts mexican food and it's it's a bummer because it's yeah that was that was one of the hard parts of leaving la was literally just street tacos walking out of a concert at like midnight and going and finding a taco truck and having tacos is
0: that's the that's the life it's a beautiful thing well growing up in ohio we had authentic mexican food called chi chi's It was some awful... I w- I, we moved to California, and it was like, oh, man, this is great. I don't know what I was eating. <laughs> I think I would eat, like, a shrimp chimichanga, and I have... I mean, there's no way any of that was, like, within two weeks fresh. There's just no well, way. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm always, a, I'm always afraid of having seafood... But I didn't even, know. Like, fully landlocked. I did not know, Timothy. Yeah. I didn't know such other things existed. Like, Red Lobster... It was where we got seafood. <laughs> Olive Garden, it was fancy Italian. Applebee's, dude, that's date oh. night.
1: I had Come to have on, Applebee's man. recently. Come on, and man. And it was the some of the worst food I've ever had in my life. I felt sick through an entire movie. It was terrible.
0: That's really on you because Applebee's, I mean, that's cuisine, if you know what I'm <laughs> saying. It, it yes. is a type of cuisine. So, So, yes, that was my, like my food upbringing in the Midwest, you know? If, if, and if we w- went really fancy, you know, there was Ponderosa Steakhouse, and then there was a, a buffet, a local buffet, my little town, and so, you know. There, you know
1: that bachelor party that I was on a couple of weeks ago, or whatever. In the, in the forest? Yeah, the, this uh, dreadlocked hippie on mushrooms cooked us a tri-tip on the open campfire Ooh. with his hands. He just kept flipping it in the flame with his bare hands over it, but he kept flipping it like every couple of seconds. And that thing, we were watching him like, what are you doing? Why are you manhandling that? And it was so good. Wow. We were just like, I'm so sorry, I doubted you. You didn't even know I was doubting (laughs) you, but I'm so sorry.
0: (laughs) That, I mean, nothing says bachelor party like a hippie on mushrooms uh, as a chef, tip. yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Timothy. Well, um, today, <laughs> hello. We thought uh, first we want to we want to thank. Um, I don't know if it's Sienna, Sienna, S E A N A. She joined our Patreon team, so I just want to say thank you. It's that's so very meaningful and so very appreciated. Um, but today we're recording on Friday. And we these come out on Monday, and this is the week that um, the Roe v. Wade opinion was leaked, written by Justice Alito, and that came out earlier this week. And there has been, suffice it to say, um, a few opinions thrown out into the interwebs about about this, and um, and so Tim and I were talking. We were we were going to go to a, a new word, but. Um, it, it both struck us as um, something to talk about and to process um, together and um, so whenever we wade into very deep and controversial waters the the disclaimers always apply right The goal of this podcast is not to convince anyone to think like us. in fact um, we're pretty That's sure we're white wrong noise. we're just pre- yeah exactly we're pretty sure we're wrong. <laughs> Um, we're just not exactly sure where, but um <laughs> <laughs> but the goal is to provoke curiosity and thoughtfulness and so um and and, and I mean, we're two dudes talking about right. um an an issue that is incredibly personal to women, uh, particularly women who've been marginalized and who live in um very very difficult circumstances and so you know it's like man do you you want to be so um humble and gracious but it raises it raises all sorts of thoughts uh, at least it did for me in emotions i was i was just struck by um the emotion i was feeling when i first saw it yeah and um and then and then maybe we'll get a little bit to how how it is that we can approach um, the coming months thoughtfully and faithfully? Um, so, so let's just start. Um, let's start by just sort of putting our cards on the table, um, Tim, and and you know share as much or as little as you want. For me, um, I'm a pro-life womb to tomb person, so. If it, if it is stamped with the Imago Day, the image of God, then I am for its life and flourishing. And to me, pro-life means um, to be pro-baby and to be pro-mother, um, regardless of whether mother keeps the baby, to be pro-circumstances um, where abortion isn't um, seen as the only option uh, due to circumstances that, you know, I cannot personally imagine. Um, I'm uh, pro-immigrant. I'm uh, pro-black lives. I'm pro-LGBTQ people being treated with respect and dignity. I'm anti-death penalty. Um, I'm uh, almost, in all cases, against war. Um, and, And that just, for me, flows out of a reading of the text where I just see if if it if it is an image bearer, we fight for it and not against it. Um, now, obviously, there are massive exceptions to all those things, right? And as Christians, we can both agree: yes, immigration, we should care about immigrants, but we can disagree on what specific policy proposal yeah. best cares or how many we should allow in or whatever. Um, We can agree um, on the desire to see fewer abortions, but disagree dramatically on how best that is accomplished. And so I just want to lay out the cards that um, as a follower of Jesus, um, that discipleship leads me into having an understanding of human beings such that if at all possible, violence against them, in whatever form is to be avoided, yeah. and uh, and I also recognize in the case of of self defense, or in the case in the case of incest, <clears throat> rape, um, the mother's life is in danger, or other extenuating circumstances, there are and we see this even in the, in the scriptures. There are times when we accommodate to um, the lesser of bad choices, um, right. realizing that we live in a very fallen kind of world. So that's, that's where I'm coming from in all of this. So how about you? How would you describe that?
1: No, I think you, I would, I would come along where you are. I, I would fight for life in all those different circumstances, but I'm very well aware that there's not a very fine line that always runs between choices. Often it's gray or it's fuzzy or whatever, and you have to use nuance and sometimes you have to be Sometimes you have to operate from ambiguity, and um, sometimes you have to make the best choices that you think you can make, yeah, um, with the data and stuff at hand. And sometimes I don't think that's going to line up with what you have been told or what you think. Uh, and so, I just I think every every topic, every one of those topics, has to be handled specifically and with full intentionality and with full uh like just human thinking <laughs> you know what I mean like you just have to engage it the thing that bothers me about a lot of these topics is that Christians just want to like if we vote into law we don't have to worry about it anymore if it's a law then that's how we handle right. it with faith yeah and I just think that's just bullshit and I don't want anything to do with that I'd rather yeah I think that it's just so much more complicated than that and I don't think we're called to just legislate other people's opinions or views or
0: lives. So, yeah, we'll get we'll, we'll get into that. And 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 just for the record, we've had several conversations with Bonnie um yep. and others around this topic, so this um if you're curious, you know, you can go find those. But I guess for Tim and I, we were just both feeling like, huh? I was surprised because when I saw the opinion and then saw that it was legitimate, my timeline, of course, um, unsurprisingly, you know, just exploded with um, all sorts of thoughtless and <laughs> passionate <laughs> declarations and thoughtful engagement and I mean you can obviously we were all just sort of going oh my goodness but the the thing that I was surprised by is I I was grieving and I wasn't grieving because um I think more abortion is the way to go I was grieving because I was sitting there thinking about okay so this is what a certain segments of my tribe of evangelical Christians have been working for for decades Right. Um, Yep. The alignment on the Supreme Court of Justices. That's why presidencies matter. That's why the former president was put in office not because he was, you know, an exemplar of moral virtue, but the argument was, well, he'll appoint justices that will do exactly this, which he did. And um, yep. And um, and and so I, I I was grieving like, okay, so is this what? what exactly is a culture war and what is it to win one yeah um, what does it mean to win a culture war so let's say this this is the opinion that comes down and um, and then we have um you know then the inevitable fights that are, that are now relitigated around um, potentially LGBTQ issues or contraception or whatever I mean there are all sorts of debate about whether or not the rationale Alitos using can be applied to other unenumerated rights um, yeah. in the technical term. And I'm no obviously legal expert, but I was just sitting there going, you know, um what does it mean to be in a culture war? What does it mean to win? It seems like nobody wins a culture war. You either smash the other culture or you throw down your weapons. Yeah. Um there's no other like there's no other way to go about this. And and is winning is winning, does that mean that all of these people are now afraid of Christians being in power? Um, they should be. Well, well, some Christians for sure. But I mean, you would think, you would think that, that if Jesus' people were handed power, they would handle it like Jesus. Yeah. Um, and instead, it seems like Jesus is becoming associated more and more with this, I don't know, really um harsh line drawing um punitive sort of set of values that um, I don't know, it, it just I found it grievous because of the social warfare now that will go on. Yeah. Um, no 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 one changes their opinions, no sides get, you know, they they don't come further uh, to the middle. they just grow farther apart and more vir- virulent in their, expressions yeah and so i was just i was just surprised by that i was i mean do i think less abortions are that's way better that's a moral good absolutely but um it's kind of like hmm the is that is this the way to get there is this the best way to accomplish that what about the fact that numbers of abortions have been decreasing steadily over the years and what about the fact uh, sky our friend sky and uh from the holy post crew did a whole video on the fact that um, Democratic policies seem to decrease abortions more than Republican policies. I mean, and that there's there's a really spotty history about abortion as a lightning rod issue for evangelicals. It hasn't always been the case. Nope. Um, And so you have like a lot of complexity in, as you said, this seeming white, black issue that isn't, I don't know, I was just, I was grieved over... Now, um, and somebody said this, man, 20 years ago, I remember listening to an emergent church speaker. And um, he said, the, the reason, the reason, uh, not the reason, but a reason that people are so suspicious of, of Jesus is because um, no one trusts his followers with power. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, and here's, I mean, and we just keep seeing examples kind of of this in the name of yeah. Jesus we're doing all of these sorts of things and so i've really been just grieving like the idea of culture war and we talked about this before i mean that is so not a biblical paradigm of anything right, right? and we're going to we're going to beat up on that in a little bit but my goodness i was just emotionally was like is this so so we're good now we're good well, like that's interesting we we too, won I,
1: I was thinking about it in regards to when we were talking about uh something in the cell in the saved series it, with just like judging things by the fruit you know, and mm. so I started thinking about this idea and what the fruit of it looks like, and the fruit of it tends to be poor and marginalized people are affected the most by this negatively mm. that's the fruit mm. and it's like well i <laughs> if you look at that that's a that's a rough uh you know that's a simplistic way to put it, but those are the folks that get hurt by this. Mm. And then there's a hypothetical that is helped by it. A hypothetical that does not seem to be supported by data. Yeah. And that's, so I don't know. Yeah. So you look at kind of what is the product of Christian virtue and power? Mm -hmm. Well, the fruit that I see is that it's harming people that have less than those who are uh, putting it into, putting it into motion.
0: Yeah, I just is is that what a culture war are supposed to do? Um, is this the goal? Like, we did it, guys, we got it. Yeah. We got it. Okay. Is, is Jesus seen as more beautiful now? I mean, I, I don't know. I just I I and I and I get it. I get the people that are like, dude, we're saving literally saving babies' lives. And I get the people that are like well, weren't you guys the crew that was saying the government can't tell me what to do with my body when they were mandating masks <laughs> and vaccines? And now like, we're saying no, the government has a right to tell you what to do with three your body or four months ago, right? So I had all sorts of just emotional thoughts, like I'm, I'm, I'm terribly grieving what this does now in the social war arena. Right? Also does, it begs a
1: question of the church put their head down. Two three decades and accomplish this, and I mean it's kind of amazing and what they can do, how organized and how just like I mean it's it's phenomenal. It really is amazing. What would happen if the if that same energy was put into other things uh, that are also focused on saving lives and bettering uh, situations for our fellow humans? You know, it seems like the church, when motivated it can be pretty effective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. so now we've seen it. So it's like, well, how, how can we do that in a, a constructive, a
0: more constructive way? It seems like though, at least the parts of my tribe that I'm familiar with. Yeah, the the motivation is there, but it's a motivation that's always based around, they're trying to take America from us. Like yeah. it's always the presence of enemies that are threatening us that that's what's motivating. And, um, and I, understand, I understand that we can you know, disagree um, all over the place about when sexual education should be brought into schools and how it should be brought into schools and those sorts of things. My point is simply that this predominant way of seeing the world in terms of culture war, Christianity, um, it's hellish. And it is not of Jesus. And I just grieve that he gets hijacked um, yeah. as part of this. And I just think, you know, so if this is if this is the victory we've been marching to, it's I don't think it's quite the victory everyone thinks it's going to be. <laughs>
1: well, you know, and I, I was talking to someone last night about um, Desantis out in Florida and his little little war on Disney and how, from what I was reading, like he can't actually revoke the whatever for disney that he has claiming that they'll do it's all just like power plays to keep his name in he's like he knows it's not going to pan out Mm. because the the, because the people that end up paying for it are the are floridian citizens not Mm. disney Mm. and so but it looks like he's being strong standing up to you know lgbtq issues and fighting a conservative war but he's really it's really just rhetoric and so often that seems to be the case, where it's like let's build a case where we mm-hmm. look like we're culture warriors. We look strong. We look all these different ways. We look like we're standing up against the world. Yeah. But really, a lot of us just power play. And this obviously happens in the left as well. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of posturing that's a, that is empty in in what it is. But
0: I was introduced to a word that describes this. Uh, have you heard the word kayfabe?
1: Yes, only because I love pro wrestling,
0: <laughs> yes, so do you want to explain it? Yeah, I mean,
1: I don't know the origins of the of the word. I just know that it's how um you know that that's wrestlers have to adopt personas you're either you know you're a good guy or you're a bad guy, and sometimes when the bad guy becomes the good guy, they put on this kayfabe persona that like wins over the crowd and um. I don't know. Is that what you were getting at? Yeah, that it's theater. It's absolute theater, and all everyone knows theater. it's yeah. theater. Yeah. But
0: we're all in on the yeah. theater, going, "Yeah, this is entertainment." Yep, yeah, exactly. And the point has been made. That's why by, Trump
1: was at WrestleMania one year as a like participant.
0: Ah, before was so, president. Oh, that's funny. Um, so kayfabe is this this sort of exactly what you're talking about, um, done by politicians, where we're just signaling to the. The tribes that you know support us in power, that we're one of them, we're fighting for them. Um, uh, we're you know, and, and and we all kind of know it's theater, right? You know what I mean? Not no, no, obviously, not everyone does, and and then you get all sorts of conspiracy, you know, sorts of you get thoughts and theories, yes, 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 yes. Um, but kayfabe's actually been used, there were some fucks. Uh, personalities that had used that argument to defend themselves against some of the yes. ancillary charges around the the wild. Uh, yes, <laughs> and they actually were saying, "Hey, people understand what this is." Yeah, this isn't actually news, <laughs> right? Exactly. So, so um, th- I'm always struck by that word as a reminder of, "Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, this is what this this is w- what's happening here."
1: It's just scary cuz the people that are doing that are the people that are enacting law and are running the country and it's just yeah. a, what a what a weird dichotomy we've built.
0: Yeah, what absolutely. a weird
1: economy we have built. And that
0: too. The 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 thing I really want to call into question, which is not shocking if you've you know been a part of the our podcast community for any length of time is is the culture war uh, the the underpinnings of culture war understandings of how we're to relate to the world. I mean, I'm still looking in the Bible for permission to have culture war, right? I mean, Israel trying fighting to maintain their distinct identity in the midst of Babylon is told seek the good and flourishing of the city. This was the Babylon was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not a holy empire by any stretch of the imagination. And yet, you know, that Paul is always encouraging the early Christians to abide in some of the structures of Roman life and not be seen as threats to those structures so that the gospel would be a hearing. You see, Jesus, you know, um, he, he's had, he has very strong opinions about religious leaders um, and one of those religious leaders was a political leader, Herod and Herod's sons and so he has you know he'll call well, one of Herod's sons a fox and yeah. you know whatever else um, but there wasn't there just wasn't this emphasis on the Reformation of the state ever. Uh, it was always on the Reformation of God's community always yeah and we've said this a million times, but it can't be stressed enough. The point, the object of all the New Testament's warnings is the church; it's not the world. And the problem—I mean, there are so many freaking problems with culture war Christianity. But one of the big ones is that we think the problem's out there somewhere. Right? That there's some there's some enemy coming to take what's ours or threaten what we know or whatever. And yeah, that's so not the posture of the New Testament. The posture of the New Testament is that the problem always is in here. Now, are there powers and principalities? Yes, but we're not told to rebuke them and fight against them other than in our communal life together. Yeah. And are, are there unjust situations in the state uh, and in the world that should be resisted and creatively, um, uh, creatively fought against? You bet, absolutely. But we do that in our communal witness. Um, I just don't see any... Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have an effect on culture. um, But like even the salt and light passage, that's not about the disciples of Jesus reaching the world. That is much more about the disciples of Jesus taking on the vocation that was given to Israel. And so Jesus comes. He's not renewing the world. He's renewing Israel. And if he were to come today, he's not renewing the world. He's renewing the church. That's what he's doing. And so all of, I mean, and Paul will even say, it's not my job to judge those outside the church. I judge those inside.
1: It's funny. We're still in the same posture of wanting the savior to come as a political leader even today. Yes. After all of the examples that of why he seems to have come in a different
0: form. Well, I, yeah. I mean, Jesus was in the middle of culture war too. Yeah. Absolutely, I mean, and and I want to spend a little time on that because, I mean, we we cannot we cannot imaginatively imagine the world view of a people who has been sent into exile for their rebellion. They've come back, um, and and only the southern tribes, and only a, a little, only a few. People. I mean, the great diaspora is still, you know, the Jews are spread out now throughout the nations. Um, and there are, they come back and they rebuild a temple, but they're immediately subjugated by one great nation after another. They get a hundred years of independence after the Maccabean revolt, but then Rome comes and, and, uh, exerts its dominance over the world and over israel and so now you have you know you have the pagans they are in the land but the pagans are ruling over you you have to give them tribute which was an offense um, to so many jews um there 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 are um revolts that take place where two or three thousand jews will be crucified at a time along some of the roads a city near jesus called Sepphoris is destroyed by roman general varus and i think it's three thousand jews are crucified and jesus this was during jesus's life um i mean it's a terrorist state and not only is it a terrorist state but it is blasphemous against your identity as god's people yeah and you you're damn right there was a culture war about how do we deal with this, right? And so the Essenes look at the Jerusalem temple and they see its corruption. Uh, they see that they've uh, have, have capitulated with Roman power. Uh, they see that, the, that the, the leadership is interested only in wealth and, and to do that, they perpetuate injustice. And so they form their own communities away. They have their own understandings, of their own calendar, among other things. Um, you have Pharisees who look at the world and say, this is a, not a political problem. This is a religious problem. Yeah. And so they intensify a, adherence to the law, saying, listen, we got thrown into exile because we were disobedient. So how do how do we get out of exile? We become a holy people. And so they intensified all sorts of things around the lost. And and Jesus ran a, a foul of those intensifications around food and washing and who you eat with and Sabbath keeping. I mean, all of that was like the Pharisees were the evangelicals. They were, listen, this is a spiritual problem. We would just, you know, humble our face to God and turn away from our sin. God will renew our land kind of people. Yeah. You know, and then you had those in power who... Um, the Sanhedrin and the, and the group of Sadducees who, um, from, from what we can tell in historical sources, had, um, had really united together in some ways with uh, some of the political leadership to sort of maintain an uneasy uh, truce between the Jews and the Romans. Yeah. Um, and hence putting Je- Jesus to death as somebody who is a rabble rouser. You know right. they, that that was like the wise thing to do. High priest even said it: "It's better that one person dies than a whole country." Yeah, and um, and so so when Jesus is and, and so these culture wars existed not over bathrooms or school curricula, but they existed over meal times and how you ate and prepared food, and um, and so for Jesus um, to to not. Um, side with the Essenes, and to not um, side with the with the powerful, and to not side with the violent revolt, revoltists, the Jewish supremacists, I guess you would say, the Zionists who thought that that the only way to deal with Rome was through violence. And I know we we've covered this, but it can't be said enough. Jesus was in the midst of a culture war, and instead, what he does. Instead of joining any of those factions, he simply comes and he gathers a community, and focuses that community on the renewing of the mission of Israel, um, which didn't include dealing with the Roman problem. It was much bigger and deeper than that. Yeah. And so, and I know people will say, "Well, yeah, but they didn't live in a democracy. Here we are in a democracy. Great. We get we have the opportunity to state our opinion." But the, the project, the orientation of Jesus of Nazareth, and even the early church was not focused on the world. It was focused on the church. And obviously, as the church was, was filled with power and, and embodied an alternative and rival social, social economic order, um, the church grew, absolutely. And that people would go into the synagogues and preach that the, the Messiah that they'd been expecting was this Jesus, Right. Russell Moore just had a great article uh, published I don't know a couple of weeks ago it was called The Cross Contradicts Our Culture War
1: mm.
0: and that's it we follow a messiah who died for his enemies yeah, um, and um, that's what we're we're supposed to enact that sort of humble posture and instead what culture war Christianity does is it keeps us antagonistic it keeps us focused on grievance it keeps us threatened um, and um and oppositional, we look around at the world and see threats to the faith, which yeah. actually turn out to be threats to just power and money. Uh, they don't turn out to be threats at all. Well, yeah, which faith. is always
1: interesting. That reminds me of that seven mountain mandate thing that we went through with like the, and it just landing with that guy at the end, Curtis Chang, I think his name was, if I remember correctly, because it's stuck in my, it's been stuck in my head since then, but just that the only mountain that our savior Like the mountain that he had was Golgotha. That's where he, that was the mountain that he fought for. And and it was the, you know, not these places of power that take over and influence society.
0: It's, it was one of sacrifice and humility and, and that influences society. See, it's not culture where Christianity, what, what I'm describing isn't whether or not Christians should be political. We are political, right? Christianity is a politic. Absolutely. And Jesus is Lord is a political statement. So, so we're already political. Um, and for a lot of us, we become partisan in our politicalness. Yeah. And 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 often that's not a bad thing, right? There are injustices in the world that we have the opportunity to speak to and correct and fight for. Um, uh, so the issue isn't whether or not we attempt to. Uh, promote the good in human society of course we do we're image bearers that's that's the task of what it is to be human yeah what what we do um in it's not whether we do that it's how we do that yeah and um the temptations of jesus reveal the messiah who refused grandeur religious testing of god to make him come through with you And power and influence as the means by which the kingdom would come. Yeah, And so I just sit and I go, okay, I want fewer abortions. I think at some point that's a human life stamped with the Imago Dei. I think there are complicating factors that have to be accounted into this thing um, and the individual judgments that are made. Um, But for the life of me, I cannot... Imagine a scenario where banning abortion is the most effective way of, I mean, because it's like it's like the argument they make about guns. Hey, if if you ban guns, we'll just still have them. Right. And, they, and and that's the political argument, right? You can't yeah. you can ban all the guns you want, but we'll still we'll still have our guns. Well, now the opposite argument is maybe we can ban abortion, but we'll still we'll still have them. Right. And um, and so I, I just want to hold out the idea that the very pillars upon which a culture war rests are called into question by the Sermon on the Mount, the whole life of Jesus of Nazareth. For the life of me, I cannot figure out how you can be a culture warrior and obey the Sermon on the Mount at the same time. <laughs> now, that I'm not saying you can't be involved in politics and follow the right. Sermon on the Mount, of course. We have great people in politics who love fiercely Jesus and practice His way in the political partisan setting. Therein, absolutely.
1: Well, it looks like you can really see the imaging stuff in the, that dichotomy right there. It's whether you you're allowing the tribe, you're imaging the tribe back to God, or are we imaging God within these conversations? Right. And the you know you still have to be a part of it, but but what are what is your what is your posture within that? Yeah. Are you defined by your tribe and defined by your culture and de- defined by fancy antagonism with an enemy, like pro life yeah. or pro choices or conservative or progressive. Does that define everything that you think and you kind of buy it, hook, line, and sinker, the whole thing? Or are you someone that images Jesus within that conversation? Yeah. I mean, your choices are going to be, the, I, I would imagine the choices that you're going to make within all those things are going to be
0: dramatically different, depending on the posture of those two positions. Absolutely. And even the vocabulary we're stuck with yeah. doesn't reflect at all the Christian reality of Jesus, right? Yeah. It's boring. I'm pro-Jesus. So, so pro-Jesus means, um, because I don't see Jesus forcing his and coercion and manipulating. Mm. I don't see him do that. So I'm pro-choice. But I see Jesus honoring every freaking life he comes across. So I'm pro-life. Yeah. I mean, those, those aren't, to me, those, the, the vocab, even the way the questions are formed and shaped don't represent what it's it is that Jesus is up to. Yeah, And so, um, I don't know. I mean, I just am like, good Lord, I, we have to have a better imagination beyond legislation um, and so the question becomes, okay, so let's say I'm a parent and I'm very disturbed at um, uh, certain parts of curriculum that are, that are being introduced in parts of our society. And, and I personally think um, it's my job and my church's job to teach about sexuality. Yeah. Um, it's not the school's job to do that. That's my personal opinion. Um, and so I would be resistant to any. It, whether it's purity culture or whether it's not purity culture, right. any introduction into uh, children about sexuality that is not coming from me or or my community. Yeah. Um, but I can see where people would look at that and some of the things that are being introduced and have concerns. Great, great. How then do we respond? Talk to your kids. Well... I mean, I think what the scriptures advocate is, and again, we vote, okay, great, fantastic. But we, the, the bulk of our energy goes into the formation of communities that embody the good we're trying to advocate for. So on abortion, um, I don't think, uh, and I got in a bit of trouble for this, but you know, I, I, I had pressure in certain communities to preach on Pro-Life Sunday, and I said, well... Uh, I'll is mention, a, is that a holiday? Well, nope. It's there's like, they there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's a holiday, but pro-life Sunday is a certain day. I think like it's a in day January. of the year or something. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Where you know focus that. on pro-life issues. It's like flag day. Um, nope. But, um, <laughs> there, there were segments that were very much pressuring me on that. And, I, and my response was, okay, I'm glad to announce that we're pro-life. Tell me about the programs we have to financially support single mothers if they choose yeah. to keep their child. Tell me about uh, the, the, the people in our community who are willing to adopt people out of the foster care system. Tell me about yes. all of the support systems that we have in place, and then I'll be glad yep. to talk about Pro-Life Sunday. Um, because as, as we know, for, for some, pro-life is simply a, a, a virtue signal. It's not, it's not even the main issue. It's just a way to categorize and label. Um, so, how in the world could you believe in abortion and love Jesus? How in the world could you um, love Jesus and not believe in abortion? I mean, you know, and, and, and off we go into the labels and demonizing, and yeah. we don't literally do anything. So, wheels. so, rather, I think the New Testament vision, and again, all of this stuff is super, could be dead wrong on all of it. But when I read the New Testament, the focus is on the formation of communities that embody the good the church is trying to advocate for. Not in some abstract legislative process, not in some theological statement written on a website, but rather the enacted hospitality of a community because of their own understanding of themselves as gift recipients and grace receivers are willing to extend that kind of hospitality to everybody else. Yeah. Um, it seems to me that's the that's the focus of the New Testament, and 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 yes, absolutely, we get to participate in larger partisan processes. But um, if you want to know where the energy goes, my my main job is to to become a kind of person and be a part of the kind of community where there is space for people to come in with all of these opinions and all this heat and fire. Um, and find a place where that can all be relativized around a common table and a common meal that represents the grace of Jesus um, equally to all of us, right? Yeah. And, and now we approach each other as siblings to talk about these really, really important issues. But until that siblingship, until that reclassification has happened, we're just shouting and yelling. And, and I want to shout and yell too. I had a whole bunch of tweets. I wanted to tweet, <laughs> and not that anyone cared, but I deleted them all. And so um, instead, of, instead of fighting a culture war um, outside of the church, if we really want to fight a culture war, it should be a culture war in the church. Uh, and and what, I, what I mean by that is we're fighting for a Jesus kind of culture in the church, right? um that the Sermon on the Mount is what animates our personal relationship the the cruciform life is is the posture we're learning to take with all other people um, where I'm not fighting for my rights and entitlements but instead I'm spending myself in service to other people yeah and there are loads of people and Christians who are out there like this that's the yeah. great news. And on the abortion debate, there are so many great pro-life people, but they get pegged and tarnished with the extremes and the ugliness. Right. Um, and, and, and there are people I know who are fantastically in love with Jesus and who think being pro-choice in certain kinds of ways is the best way to tackle the abortion issue. Yeah. And I'm not ready to use that one political issue to determine someone's uh, belonging into the community of Jesus. Yeah. Right? Right. And so culture, this culture war thing, I mean, it has infected the church around masks and vaccines. It is, it, is, it is happening everywhere. And there have to be places where we simply put aside that whole framework and realize the Son of Man came not to judge the earth, but to love it. Yeah. And, um, and so, yes, of course we fight against injustice. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we fight as Jesus fought. And um, and so there are just a couple of thoughts that I'm thinking that you know, we have to get out of um, the zero sum understanding of politics. What our partisan uh, politic, uh, our that partisan approach to politics, what it does is everything is a zero sum game. Yep, you can't get ahead unless I'm losing. Right. And we are people who believe God to be good, and the abundance of creation means there's enough for everyone. We are secure. We do not have to be afraid. Um, We have to fight like this catastrophizing apocalyptic thinking that that we immediately go to worst-case scenario on every issue, and therefore whatever we do in response is justified um, because, man, we are fighting literally for good and evil right now. Um, the demonization, the labeling, I mean, all of the, all of those social dynamics required to maintain hostility and antagonism, those have to be put aside. And in their place, what we do is we focus on the kingdom. When Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, which not only makes a great bumper sticker, but... Um, <laughs> it, took me, it took me a long time to figure out what that sticker... Actually, meant. I know, right? I know. I know. I know. Jesus has this great line with Pilate, right? Here is the seat of imperial power. Here is the showdown between the Messiah, the Lord of the universe, and the representative of the most powerful government, of the most powerful nation in the history of the world. And Jesus is like, first of all, you would have no power unless my father gave it to you. But secondly, My kingdom's not of this world. And if it was of this world, my followers would fight. So the distinctive nature of Jesus's kingdom, at least in this text, lies in the fact that his followers do not fight the way that others would fight for the kingdoms of this world. So Jesus is introducing, as we talk about all the time, an alternative vision for what it is to be human and in community. And as such, the old creation dynamics of of doing human interaction no longer work to bring about the new creation that Jesus Jesus is introducing in and through his life, death, and resurrection. And so Jesus introduces, I mean, he even says, I could call down 72,000 angels, uh, but I give my life willingly. So we meet two kingdoms that are dramatically opposed. And the great revealer of the difference between them is the cross right because the cross for the romans is power over the power to torture, the power to humiliate, the power to shame, the power to execute. The great and and from Jesus's perspective, this was exaltation through suffering, humiliation. This was Jesus's coming into his kingdom. Right? So from two totally different perspectives, it is the most amazing contrasting vision of of what human life consists of and could look like. Power over, exercised by the Romans against Christ, power under, the willingness to forgive and love and die even for your enemies. And the church simply cannot exercise partisan politics in Caesar's way thinking they're doing it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> there you go. You just can Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean we're not involved. When Jesus says we're not of this world, He's not talking about we're leaving the world behind. Yeah. No, no, we're still a part of it, but we're the aroma of an entirely new way of doing things. Yeah. And so, so often, culture war just engages all of the same old creation dynamics that that everyone else does, and that's why um, <laughs> people rightfully look often at Christians in in mass and go. Man, I don't know what kind of community produced you guys, but I don't want to be a part of it. Totally. So Jesus introduces two radically different kingdoms, and and you even see, um, you even see Peter struggling with this, right? He grabs a sword and cuts off the guy's ear. Right. Yeah, totally. Right. Well, what's that? Good what is Pete. that? Pete. Why does he do that? Because we can talk in theory all about the the invisible slow growing you know um meek kingdom of Jesus but man when when it comes to like the rubber hitting the road we're going to freaking grab the sword totally this is and, and I'm and I do this this is yes. us this is this is the temptation of the church right and and what does Jesus do instead he heals the man so it, what's Jesus saying my kingdom is a kingdom that heals my enemies, rather than harms them. Yeah. Now, I mean, you just couldn't get a starker contrast, and I cannot, for the life of me, see where a culture war, us as Christians against the world in whatever political issue we're talking about, somehow fits into that vision that Jesus gives us of what it is to be human and sure what it is to be God's for it, people.
1: Though. Like, oh man, did you have like the armor of God costume that yes. you could buy at like the <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm.
1: with the breastplate of righteousness and the sword of truth and the it's pretty, it's, I mean, we're, we're just such war. Absolutely. Focused people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's why spiritual warfare can take on this crazy element Mm. of, um, you know, persecution versus, uh, I mean, there were, there were, um, there were some, some stuff I saw out there on uh, this present darkness Frank I Peretti's think, novel. I think the Holy Post talked about it this week. Oh, did they? Oh, it's so good because it presented spiritual warfare like, and, and 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 I get. I mean, there is warfare imagery in the. Yeah. I mean, absolutely, but it's not as individualized as that sort of book kind of made yeah. it out. What to What else
1: me. was that book too? Like our prayers like powered the angels' batteries. So if you're oh, not I don't praying enough, you're not. If I, I don't know. This was. 30 years ago but yeah I don't know about the that you... stuff that you just said too with um, like this was a this was one tweet that I saw that I kept thinking about and she says if it was about babies we'd have excellent and free universal maternal care you wouldn't be charged a cent to give birth no matter how complicated delivery was if it was about babies we'd have months and months of parental leave for everyone if it was about babies mm-hmm. we'd have free lactation consultants free diapers free formula if it was about babies we'd have free and excellent child care from newborns on it was about babies. We'd have universal <coughs> preschool and pre-K and guaranteed after school placements. And I realize how that list reads to some people, but there a lot of this decision making does come down to, Financial. I won't, I won't survive. Yeah. I won't, I cannot make this. Yeah. And it's like the amount of money that went into fighting to make abortion illegal over the last couple decades could have made a lot of that stuff happen. Yeah. And then I, I have a couple of friends in town that are doing such a great job. And I, I was also thinking about the fostering and adopting thing, like how that's a, you know, if you're, if you're really got your, you're, you're riled up on this topic, you know, there's a good pastor in town here who I know him and his wife have fostered like, I think, I think like 30 something kids already. Mm. And, um, my good buddy next door, he, uh, he's been working at the uh, continuation high school in town. Annie's been going into juvie and just sitting with a couple kids and reading with them and stuff because they have literally nobody. Yeah. And these kids are just like, hey, if you know more people, there's other guys in here that don't have anyone to talk to, and they would love just to have someone show up and like just dignify their humanity while they because mm. they can't go anywhere. And that's the kind of stuff where it's like there are options to like dignify life and be pro life in like super active, constructive ways and there are people that are doing it and they're doing it well but they're yeah. not like not running around screaming about it on the corners they're just out there loving these kids that yep these continuation kids like their parents are gone they're they're they've been abused they don't have anywhere to go they're having to work full-time jobs as like you know 15 16 year old kids and it's just like they're i don't know young life has a cool program too where uh, called young lives where mm-hmm. they buy houses and they have teenage mothers come and live in them and try to give them and try to help them with the babies so that the the mothers can have some semblance of a teenage life still Mm. like they'll Mm. help watch the kids so the girls can go out and and do high school things or whatever and like take them to camp and the kids will have daycare the entire time and Mm. you know like really loving those young women and the babies and dignifying them and that seems pretty pro-life to me
0: yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. And there's so much of that that goes on that we'll never know. Yeah, you know, because it doesn't it doesn't generate. I just I'm I'm trying as these big political things happen to recalibrate of, around, um, around the kingdom, uh, and new creation, and um in trying to escape the vortex of the predetermined vocabulary and the hardened positioning uh, that is so prevalent, at least publicly, yeah. you know, for, for a lot of folks. And one of the things that I think Jesus makes really clear is if we're going to do his work, we have to do it his way, um, or it ceases to become his work. Um, yeah. <laughs> if if I, I, somebody was saying, you know, and it's very true, if... Um, if, if your Christianity leads you to hate your enemies, it's not Christianity. Yes. And that's just true. So, so would I celebrate um, d- decreasing abortions on a massive scale? Absolutely, I would. But if it's accomplished this way, with this fallout, um, I'm very conflicted by it. Yeah. Um, I'll throw
1: a- Sky's video into the show notes, too,
0: because... It- at least for like a data,
1: yeah, conversation. Yep,
0: yeah, yep, 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 yep. And and part of the culture warrior. So man, I had I had so many notes, and we're just sorry. Sort
1: of, no, 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 no. <laughs> no it no, is. No, there's no, just yeah. so I yeah. So um, is that what Jesus is saying too? And he's just like, hey, don't don't tell people about this. <laughs> <laughs> Working behind the scenes over here.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't want people to to run um, into something that we're not totally. Um, I think that one of the real casualties of the culture war is compassion. Um, that, that culture warring doesn't allow for any compromise. So it literally, I mean, we, I got, uh, I did graduate work in ethics and, um, we would talk about abortion as um an all or nothing proposition. Yeah, there's no room for gradation. There's no room for meeting in the middle. There's no room. Um, and uh, and how how unwise that approach is. Yes, um you know, to to say,, um, I mean, you can just imagine and and, and Jonathan hate. H-A-I-D-T, wrote an article about how social media is making us stupid. And it's brilliant. Like, I so highly recommend it. It's genius. It's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I can't speak highly enough about the article. But one of the things he mentions is that social media now, um, the hunt isn't to get get the other side in trouble the hunt is to get those who are who are on your side who are willing to compromise with the other side in trouble. Interesting. Right, so it's not it's not hey I'm going after the other side on this, but it's the people from my tribe who look a little wobbly on this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just to it, more polarize the Yes, absolutely. So you punish all the people who want to have thoughtful reactions to this, right? Hmm. So I mean, I can imagine people listening to this going, well, if you guys are going to support baby killers you hate jesus right and you're like yeah well i see why you think that but yeah i don't i don't think that's true uh and i could see where other people are like dude come on are you serious i thought you were pro-woman right. um and and i don't know what i am i'm just trying to work this out with the rest of us yeah um infidelity to jesus in a community um, and going, well, I don't think this might, I don't think this is the best way to go about this. And, um, I understand why some people do, but what I don't want to be a part of is a community that punishes sympathy or compassion. Um, and so there has to be a place and that, that for us is the common table. There has to be a place where, um, we, uh, are a part of something bigger than what divides us. And uh, that seems like the most important thing the church can be these days is extending hospitality to people who have nothing else in common. Because um, the temptation is to believe that that my brother and sister in Christ who has a different political opinion has less in common with me than somebody who isn't a Jesus person but but shares my same political outlook. That's the temptation. And that's just so not how the Bible conceives of this. Yeah. So we're fighting really for the culture of the church. Is it a, is it a church? Is it a culture? And, and I, will, I will you know, stick my guns in the ground on this. Stick my guns in the ground. We'll stick a fork <laughs> in the ground. I will draw a line in the sand. I will sing a song. Um, but we're fighting for a culture that is not threatened, that is not antagonistic, that is not demonizing, that is not focused on power over other people, uh, we're fighting for a culture that is not focused on winning. We're not fighting on a culture that's, uh, for a culture that's supposed to be impressive or uh, massively influential in the way that we commonly think of influence. Right? We're fighting for a culture that is cruciform, that is kind and gentle and exercises the grace that Jesus exercises, the grace that leads us to repentance, the mm-hmm. grace that doesn't demand repentance before we see the kindness of God. And so it's just a, that's what we're fighting for. That's why this matters to me. It's less about, okay, so what happens in the courts? It's much more about what happens in the church, yeah. right? Are we becoming more Jesus-like in the midst of all of this or are we not? And, um, and I can imagine the answer is yes, all over the place, right? To both. Um, but, you know, we... we um, We want to be people who thoughtfully sort of reckon with all the realities of this and try not to predetermine sort of the outcomes and leave room for a bunch of people to disagree yeah so tim tim has a great idea for how to end this episode because we're both so just sort of like oh i feel like we need to talk about this but we're not sure how (laughs) yeah and uh, tim came up with this great idea so why don't you explain it
1: so this is something um, that I've been doing each time that I teach at a church or lead worship. I've, I've been, I think I've articulated many times on here at this point now that I used to lead worship and now I'm not quite sure what that means. And so I've been not doing that. Yeah. Um, Because I want to understand what it really means. And, and uh you know, you guys have heard Mike say on here a couple of times that worship is justice. And I've been trying to, see that in every different way that I approach, um, this idea and, and really just trying to like, I I don't know, I've been picking at it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I know that worship is justice is bigger than singing songs. Um, but within regards to just singing, what that means and what does it mean for Sunday morning? What does it mean for whatever? But so this thing, that I've been doing is a thing called prayers of the people. And I believe that this song was written by a band called the brilliance. So if they, if someone knows them or they happen to listen to this, um, I hope they don't mind that we're about to use it, but, um, (laughs) I think it's a beautiful representation. My good friend at the Presbyterian church that I was leading music at a couple of years ago in LA, um, they used to do this and it's a way of interacting with, um, the music interacting with prayer Mm -hmm. interacting with what's going on in our world and and trying to i was telling mike before we started recording that i have to i feel like i have to physically posture my brain and my heart sometimes like i have to keep grabbing it and pushing it back into a posture of facing in the right direction and this does that for me sometimes so the idea here is if if we were in a room with all of you we would sing this first stanza together which just literally just says, you hear us calling, you hear us calling, Abba, Father. And then the chorus is just, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy. And what we'll do is we'll sing this first part, and then um, Mike's going to do some praying in between. And in between each of the prayers, we sing again, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy. And it's a way of trying to engage, at least prayerfully, with... Uh, you know the stuff that we just talked about and other things that are going on in the world and and making sure that we keep uh our fellow humans and and just the things that are happening at the forefront of what we do in the forefront of our hearts and minds and our conversations and trying to put a little flesh and blood and
0: mm-hmm. um, action into worship and prayer. I love that well done, bro. so Tim is literally gonna play his guitar. Yeah, we don't know how this is gonna work. I am not going to sing, uh, and you're gonna be grateful for that. But I will do <laughs> prayers. Just nod to me when it's when it's my time to yeah, pray. Yeah, we'll
1: sing through this whole thing once, and then um, in between each of those prayers, we'll we'll sing again. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy.
2: <laughs> Hear us calling. Hear us call in, Abba, Father Hear us call in, hear us call in, Abba, Father Lord have mercy Christ have mercy Lord have mercy Christ have mercy
0: God we pray for the people of Ukraine we pray for peace pray for them to be made whole and pray for deliverance and mercy we pray for a softening of Russian hearts we pray for healing and restoration Lord, we ask that our hearts would be sensitive to the needs of our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, and that we would have wisdom and discernment in how we might best come beside them.
2: Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have
0: mercy. We pray for refugees and people displaced by terror and war. We pray that there would be freedom from terror and persecution. We pray that we would know how to best love and serve those in need and that we would seek out ways to love and serve. We pray for the families that are separated or in mourning that they would be reunited and comforted.
2: Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy.
0: We pray for the chaos that has erupted due to the court ruling. We ask that we would best know how to love and serve the women who are angry and afraid. We pray for marginalized women who may lose access to the health care they need, that we would be a part of finding a way to rectify that. We pray that our sisters would have an equal seat at the table and their voices would not only be heard but listened to. We pray that the people in power would make this less about a culture war uh, and winning something and more about the safety and health uh, and of how to better people's lives.
2: Hear us calling, hear us calling, Abba Father. Hear us calling, hear us calling, Abba Father. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy,
0: Amen.